Welcome to episode 50 of the Adelan Riding Podcast. In this uh, episode, we discuss Marvel Rising Omega number one, Miss Marvel number 34, Death of the Inhumans number three, and Fantastic Four number two. 50 episodes, guys. Wow. Yeah, you put up with us for this long. <laughs> two years. Yeah, 50 episodes, two years. It's Two years it's been, and who knew we would still be around? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's done pretty well for uh, for an Inhumans podcast as well. I mean, the... Uh... We've outlasted most Inhuman books. Well, <laughs> I think we've outlasted every single Inhuman book of the last two years anyway, so... Um, but that's, that's depressing. Let's move on to the, the fun stuff. Right? It's 50 episodes, guys. 50 um, episodes, and what does 50 episodes mean, Adam? Uh, so, does that mean we're going to have a giveaway? I think it means we're going to have a giveaway. Okay. So, I think we're going to give away um, Moon Girl Volume 3. Uh, is it Volume 3? Volume 4? Volume 5? Whichever. Volume three. 6. Volume 6. Fantastic 3. That's the one. Um, and all you have to do, if you want to be involved in the giveaway, is essentially email us at the show at atalamrising.com and, and literally yeah that's it just email us and we'll pick a name yep. out of the hat yep so, just email us and let us know if you want a free copy of the book yep um and whoever name gets drawn will get a free copy of the book and uh yeah so a great book it is yeah, a great it's book. a really good book you haven't if you haven't read um moon girl fantastic three and you're a fantastic four fan particular particularly of johnny storm and the thing uh we highly highly recommend that you pick up uh, this arc because it is, for lack of a better term, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it actually, uh, I mean, I, I know I said to um, I said to Doc that I'd get Fantastic Four when it came out in uh, when it finally got re- rebooted, but Fantastic Three was a really kind of like um, what's the word uh, primer for it almost. Um, yes. ah, I loved yes. it. It was it was really good, but. Uh, yeah, speaking of Fantastic Four, issue two was also great, but we'll discuss that later. Yes. Four. Um, so in other news for Inhumans, we've got, uh, before we get into Marvel Rising Omega number one, um, the Marvel Rising, uh, is it movie or is it a series? I can't remember. That com- It comes out on um, September 30th, and they just launched a really, really <laughs> great line of uh, dolls for the movie. Um, finally, finally, Marvel has something I think that can compete with DC's superhero girls line, but um, is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's a movie that's uh, being it's playing on Sunday the thirtieth on Disney XD, um, and that it will segue into a series from there, um, and. Uh, it looks pretty good. I mean, um, it's, we've, it's pretty much the same design and character and voice actors as the, uh, the sort of, um, preview we got with, um, initiation. And then in October, these dolls are going to hit the stores, uh, and they're really fun looking dolls. You got a, you got Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl, Miss America Chavez, uh, Daisy Johnson Quake, Inferno, and Patriot. <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen any Lockjaw merch yet, but I imagine that's right. We, ha- we don't have any Captain Marvel merch yet, or uh, did they? Uh, they did release Spider Gwen though with it. Yeah, Spider Gwen will be a part of it as well, and um, the, they're uh, 
you know, um, kind of like Barbies. You, they come with different outfits. and. Uh, Let me tell you something. Okay. If those had been out when I was a kid, I would have played with them over Barbie any day of the week. Way better <laughs> Barbie. Um, wow. Also, speaking. Be... Sorry, I was just just going to segue in there because you're talking about Captain Marvel there. Right. Tra- trailer next week. Trailer next yes. week, guys. Tuesday morning. Oh, Good morning, America. I am so prepared for that. So yes, prepared. I cannot wait. Um, yeah, that's going to be really good. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is, uh, they're going, they're pushing um, Marvel Rising pretty hard. There are like several panels at uh, New York Comic Con this year. Um, they will be screening the movie also at New York Comic Con. So I'm going to try and get into that and report back to you guys. Uh, and let you know what I find out. If there's any extra uh, good bits on Marvel Rising. Everything we've uh, had so far has been fantastic and I'm really looking forward to the movie. A um, little bit of trivia. Uh, we have another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Vo- uh, cast member voicing a character in the movie. Uh, Ming-Na Wen is going, who does Agent Man oh. on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the voice of Hala in the movie. So Hala? Is a Kree. Uh, she's a villain. She's the villain, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so nice. uh, we've got uh, Ming-Na Wen is no stranger to doing some voice acting since she was the voice of Mulan as well. Oh, so, of course, uh, yeah, and, that, and that's, uh, that turned 20 this year, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So um, if you're Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, uh, support uh, support uh, Chloe Bennett and Ming-Na Wen and Marvel Rising. Oh, and also, well, also uh, Dove Cameron. Dove Cameron as well, for, who played Ruby um, on and, Agents and- of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so, uh, yes. another quick segue, because you're talking about um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in the UK, I don't know if about the US, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but the Season 5 Blu-ray has been announced. Um, which yes. is great, because um, the Season the season 4 Blu-ray came out like, I don't know, three or four months later than it, we expected it. So to have Season 5 coming out so soon, which is like uh, end of October, start of November time, is, is great. I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. Season five is awesome. If you haven't watched it yet, I, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's uh, really good. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I can't wait. Yeah, that that season finale. Yes, yeah, that was something else. Yeah, I wonder to what extent the you know the Kree as presented in in the uh, in Agents of Shield will will bear resemblance to the Kree as they're presented in in the Miss Marvel movie. I mean, the Captain Marvel movie. Oh, I that's what I would like to know, because so far we've only seen the Korean Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I would be incredibly no, we, tickled. You saw Ronan. Oh, and, uh, Guardians of the Guardians. Galaxy. But I, I would be incredibly tickled to see how they are compared, like, if they're in line. Because this, this the Kree we're seeing in Captain Marvel um, are going to be, um, I think, more in line with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Kree that we know. Huh? I think, well, because I think the Kree and Guardians of the Galaxy were a whole different. Yeah, we only well, saw one of them. Yeah, and also, um, and also the fact that Ronan in Guardians of the Galaxy was pretty much, you know, the um, what's the word? Like, you know, the the Rebel Kree he didn't he didn't stand by the rest of the Kree. So, right. right, and I and, and, we, I'm, and we know that the Kree of the Kree of um, of Guardians of the Galaxy had a truce with Xandar and the Nova Corps and that sort of stuff. So we know that they are actually quite. Amenable, I don't know if that's the right word. Well, they're in the middle of their war against the Skrull, so it's yeah. probably 
Um, it's probably a tactical. You know, the, the, the stills I've seen, I guess there were some pictures that showed up in, in Entertainment Weekly. It, it looks like they got all of Star Force there. Yep. That, um, yeah. With um, uh, Korath and um, Minerva. and it, Boy, it looks pretty exciting. I'm very excited. I think people are also saying that, uh, or suggest that there was a rumor going around that suggesting that Jude Law wasn't actually going to be Marvell and he was going to be um, someone else that I can't remember the name of at the, this point in time. Ron Yogg. That's Yog-Rog. the one. Yog Yeah. yeah. That yeah, and if you're not familiar with him, um, I'm more familiar with him from Kelly Sue DeConnick's run and um, Captain Marvel. I know he's an old, an old foe of Car- uh, of Carol's, but that's where I'm familiar with him, and I well, could totally see that. Yeah, and it potentially well, potentially means that he's the villain of the movie. Yes, well, Minerva's in it too, and Minerva is also um, one of Carol's. Uh, I think one of Carol's rogues galleries. Yeah. Yes, she is. And um, what's his name? Milkinson is playing the scroll leader. He's no slouch in the villain department either. No. Although, (laughs) if you haven't read his interview with Entertainment Weekly, that's hysterical. Uh, He doesn't. He's he's pretty (laughs) funny. He doesn't really take any of this stuff too seriously. (laughs) No, Um, he's he's scrolling. (laughs) (laughs) Need to read it. And and apparently, um. I don't know. You got to read the interview. It's hysterical. I'll have to read that. I don't think I've read that. Oh, that interview is so funny. He doesn't <laughs> take anything seriously. He, it's it's just really great. You need yeah. to read it. And um, if you haven't seen it, Joe uh, Joe Temporelli, I totally butchered his name. He used to work for Marvel, and he took one of the uh, he took one of the screenshots from uh, the Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> And he said, I can't wait for the scrolls to release their Christian rock band. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. What's what's the joke? Well, that, when the, that picture in Entertainment Weekly that showed the scrolls coming out of the water. It looks right. like cover it looks like the cover of an album. Of a Christian <laughs> rock album. I done. see. It's so funny. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Um <laughs> Anyway. Uh, in this episode we had um Marvel Rising writer Devin Grayson on the show, um, and uh, so, and she was an absolute delight. So thank you again, Miss Grayson, for coming uh, onto the show with us. Um, Marvel Rising Omega was finally released. It looks like it got released a week later than um, we had thought. Yes. Um, so, uh, Doc, do you want to lead us into uh, Marvel Rising Omega number one? Whew, what an issue. Okay, um, so this is the big culmination, the, the climax, and... Um, a lot has built up to this point, but the long story short is there is this new uh, young and human named Ember, and she has the ability to um, siphon an inf- uh, energy and then re-channel it in, and create all kinds of constructs uh, from from you know monsters to whole digitized realms where she can get um, people trapped into, and it's uh, it's quite something, and. She had been manipulated by this uh, beforehand unseen voice who pretended to be her friend online and kind of goaded her along a dark path and, um, and where she kind of became a supervillain and took on the, the heroes who were uh, Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl, later joined by Miss America and Inferno. And um, then it was revealed that this, this friend 
was act was actually Arcade, the bad guy from X Men and many other comics, and he's a total d bag. And he had just been manipulating this poor girl into doing his bidding, and then he got her to get herself in this weird harness contraption that that transferred her powers over to him, that he could control them, um, which he then used to create a whole new like Murder World 2.0, which was twice as uh, deadly and dangerous as his past uh, uh, more analog murder worlds. Um, and the heroes get trapped in there. And um, now they've been fighting as a team for quite a while now because I guess time goes by slower in this digital realm and whatnot. So they're able to make uh, pretty good work of the various monsters and creatures that he sends their way. All the while... Ember, she, you know, she now realizes that she's been tricked and she's pissed, but and she tries desperately to uh, <clears throat> reassume her her influence over this digital world, and she creates like a, a wisp, which I guess is in video games is kind of like a guide. Help yes. me out here, video game guide. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. In some cases, yes. In other cases, they lead you to your doom. But yes, ah, the wisps well. are generally guides. Yes. Yeah, it depends which game so, you play. Or in the case of World of Warcraft, you become a wisp when you die, and then ah, brings you back nice. to your body. So this wisp helps them navigate through this uh, video game world, and they ultimately end up at, at a more, for me at least, familiar setting of video games, the uh, Donkey Kong, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? It's a scaffolding where there's where you've got Donkey Kong up top, and that's some, that's we got Arcade's head, and then there's the princess who's trapped, and that's Ember. And then instead of Mario, we have the heroes who have to make their way up the scaffolding, jump over flaming barrels, and so on and so forth. <laughs> and um, you know they finally do prevail, but then Arcade's like, "Psych, I'm changing the rules again!" Ha ha ha. Right. And Ember's just had it; she's done. She she knows that removing herself from this harness will, will kill her, but she doesn't want to be responsible for anyone else's death, so she reanimates this gorilla donkey kong creature and pulls herself free from the uh from the harness and the other heroes are like oh my god no don't do it you'll die but it's too late she gets pulled free and then everyone is zapped back to reality uh, arcade realizes the jig is up so he bails and, and escapes and the heroes are left with the with this poor young girl who appears to have died however she had written one last little detail into the code when she was creating this. Uh, I guess a rather endemic feature for many video games is to get a free life, which yes. um, which uh, she then uses to come back to life. Also um, sounds like a typical comic book story. Yes, it does. <laughs> so she gets a free life, she goes back to life, and um, it's it's a nice, we get a nice happy ending. Uh, she relocates to uh, New Adelan, where she can help be helped to learn to better master her powers. And, you know, she's still kind of a depressed kid, but at least now she feels like um, she's got some sense of belonging and connection. And uh, the heroes all come and visit her there, and it's really quite sweet. And um, that is the end of the story. It's a, it was a, just a joy to read from beginning to end. It really was. It's yeah. definitely... Oh. One of my favorite, I hear a puppy, um, one of my favorite uh, Marvel books, I got distracted by the puppy, um, one of my favorite Marvel books that I've read in a while, um, 
I just always was looking forward to it. Um, the numbering is my biggest complaint. doesn't make it easy to follow. However, um, definitely a book um, I might be picking up as a collected edition and sending it off to my cousin's kids because they would love it. Oh, yeah, this is um, going to be a big hit amongst the niece and nephew sect. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking for um, a book to get your kids in on and you're, you know, you haven't really introduced them to comics yet other than Moon Girl and probably Unstoppable Wasp, um, this is definitely one you want to uh, pick out. It's just head-to-toe fun, hilarious, um, and very uh, poignant, I think, in a lot of ways. Um We've all been Ember at one point, and we've all been Kamala at one point, and it's just really, 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 really good. Yeah, I, I have to admit this is quite a, a nice ending to a, to a really good story. I, I think, um, I think issue was it the third part of the story. I think it has to be my favorite. Um, but no, yeah, the, the issue Omega was 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 a really nice ending to, to the story. Also, I, yes. I really I really enjoyed the uh, the Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl cameo in it. Oh yeah, they they yes. do show up at the very end. Yeah, and yes, obviously they do. I think even uh, is it is that Karnak in at the end as well? Yes. Karnak and Medusa. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, all those little cameos were really fun. Um, no, it's uh, I mean, you know, presenting it as like, yeah, this is a great book for younger readers, but it's not exclusive for younger readers. I mean, I, I'm, absolutely not. No, I think it's, it's totally enjoyable for for um, older readers as well. Um, it's similar to and, Moon Girl in that respect, I think, because yeah. Mo- because Moon Girl is one of those stories where, um, especially at the moment with the, um, uh, you know, the, the, was it DOE story, um, oh, and 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 that's got a lot of kind of uh, you know high level themes in it, but additionally it goes alongside kind of like the not the easy level um, stories, but you know the, the things that are easier to understand, um, which. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's you know it's got a lesson, but it's not the kind of lesson that's preached at you. It's just it's more shown forward as kind of like a cautionary tale stuff deal. I mean, about about like the dangers of the internet and how how easily one can be led astray. Come on, buddy, led astray by uh, the influence of others. You know, and um, you know it it sounds corny. But, you know, what ended up being sort of like what saved the day was the sort of legitimate friendship that uh, Ember had created with with Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. I mean, she was able to see them feeling actual, um, you know, they were worried about her and she could see them, that they were concerned for her well-being. And that seemed to empower her to kind of like break through uh, Arcade's influence and create this wisp and then, you know save the day yes yeah it, it was a <laughs> it, yeah it seems all the animals are going nuts tonight um something in the air there's some sort of hurricane oh uh, yeah yeah i forgot about that um obviously because i'm not in the u.s but yeah i mean i definitely go pick it up um it's such a great book um i hope there'll be more it says the end for now yeah i, I was like we're saying, the... like we're saying last episode um, yes, she's she's left Ember off where Ember can certainly be picked up either by herself. Hopefully, we'll get more books from Miss Grayson down in the future because there are several characters that I could think of she would do a killer yes, job writing. <laughs> yeah, yes, we know exactly know. which one you're talking about there. <laughs> I, I, you know, but there are other characters I think she'd do really well writing too, and I, I would love to have her um, 
write more books for Marvel, so hopefully this is just a foot in the door and we'll be getting more books from Dub and Grapeson down the line. Um, I, mean, we I think if we, the we, cartoon, uh, if the animated series on XD ends up being a hit, which is you know a possibility, then I think it's very, very likely that there'll be uh, further Marvel Rising Secret Warrior comics in the future. Yeah, yes. and, and that'd be really good because um, Secret Warriors as, as a team um, are really good, and I kind of like this whole iteration. Um, and I'm actually, yeah, you know, it's it's too bad because you know I've already got you know so my my niece has been enjoying this series quite a bit. She's like, I want to read more Secret Warriors. I want to read uh, <laughs> the, the other Secret Warriors. I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. The I mean, as much as I liked uh, Matt Rosenberg and and. Uh, uh, the, uh, Jose Garan's yeah. take on it. That's not really good for kids. I mean, no, it's, no, it's a bit more, a bit more teenage. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some of the themes in there are a little bit kind of, yeah. yeah. It's, it's similar to, um, oh, blimey, the, uh, well, the Bendis and Hickman uh, run. I don't know. I haven't actually read that one yet. I don't know if that's any good. Oh, oh, oh! The uh, the original Secret Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, with uh, with um, Stefano Caselli. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's also a little dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, characters dying and whatnot. It was a little dark, but I think this is a, a bit more of a definitely a safer. I, I, I hope that Marvel kids. kind of carry on down this route of kind of like making kind of just a line that's suitable for younger readers. I think they're kind of doing an awful lot with um, uh, IDW. Um, and I hope that yes. that's going to be, you know, something that goes going forward is quite a, you know, quite a, quite a big part of Marvel. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's plenty of room for both grim and gritty comic stories and ones that are a little more, uh, optimistic and bright and whatnot i mean i don't need anything like that i i tried reading the um the sort of marvel superhero uh it was like really four kids and it's kind of hard you know it's just it's, it's too childish for me but um i like the sort of in-between thing like i what 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 montclair is able to do with moon girl and double dinosaur and i think also uh, what wilson is doing with miss marvel it's creating a book that is a that is enjoyable for both, you know, young readers and adult readers, and it doesn't really kowtow or or, or pander in any way. It's just doing its thing. Yeah, I, I yes. think, and and that's uh, and that's where Marvel needs to keep heading, in my opinion. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, talking about, well, Marvel... I mean, I think that there's always room for for both. I mean, I don't mind there being. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Punisher or Deadpool, but I think. I'm, I have no problem against the fans who do like that stuff, and I think there's room for it. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think I think it's weird because I think the stuff that I read, because um, I read Punisher at the moment, that's really good. Cosmic Ghost Rider is just like insane, and yet it's really gritty, and it's just like the, one of the best books out at the moment. And and then you've got stuff like Death of Inhumans, which I mean, I arguably I quite like the cosmic side of things, but um, I quite like dark gritty, but equally. Um, I found that I really like the Miss Marvel, the Moon Girl, the you know different tastes for different people, though, isn't it? Or different yes. tastes for different times of the day. I mean, I, I like <laughs> pizza, but I want pizza every night. <laughs> true, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, read what you want at the end of the day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but speaking of Miss Marvel, though, ah, yeah, number thirty-four. Yeah, this is um, imagine like thirty-four. Wow, it's a. Uh, you were saying that we've outlasted every human spoke, but that's not quite true. Because, no, uh, 
uh, yeah. Miss Marvel is this this is ostensibly issue fifty two. So uh, fifty three, yeah. Okay, yeah. there you go, fifty three. Yeah. Um, and it's right in the middle of an arc, a shocking arc, and it's hey. a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, whoa, a lot's been <laughs> so going funny, on. Doc. So punny. Yes, things have been spinning out of control for Kamala and Bruno, and they continue to do so quite literally in this issue. It's another pun. <laughs> With the vortex. Yeah, uh, uh. So, anyway. <laughs> all right, so Kamala and Bruno have decided that the best way to sidestep their mixed-up feelings for one another is to uh, table the whole matter and instead explore the nature and limitations of Kamala's human powers. Yet doing so seems to have sent the whole matter out of whack, and Kamala has lost the ability to fully control these powers. And of course, it's all happened at the worst possible times, and in that New Jersey City has been attacked by the sinister shocker. Um, he's invincible he, in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, he, he's big in Jersey. Um, Apparently. At the, at the onset of the issue, it, it remains kind of a mystery what it is exactly that has caused uh, Miss Marvel's powers to uh, to malfunction in this way. You know, uh, did it had it something to do with the electrical monitor that Bruno put on her? Uh, didn't she have a panic attack? Was it something else? Some other shocking variable <laughs> yet to reveal itself? Hey, okay. Um, whatever the case, uh, Kamala has tried to bear through it so to end the shocker's schemes. She pursues the villain back to his super bizarre cobbled together hideout, which is hilarious, um, and manages to best him. But right then, her power fizzles out again, and this strange spinning vortex appears out of nowhere. And at the same moment, the same, uh, a similar vortex, or maybe the same, uh, manifests right in the middle of Bruno's lab. And the issue begins with him looking into this vortex, and he peers inside, and he sees kind of like this kaleidoscope of images. All that appear to be dozens and dozens of potential futures. Can I, can I, can I just say that the, there's two that I pick out there, and um, I think Saladin Ahmed picked it out as well on Twitter. Um, one of which being the Exiles future, of course, and uh, which is which is brilliant. But also the other one being the um, <clears throat> the old woman, uh, the old woman Laura storyline, yes, uh, where she right. becomes president, and I thought that was that was a really really nice touch. Yes. Yeah, there's all these different futures. One where she becomes president, another where she's a hardened veteran of some war, or From... a member of, of Exiles. Yes. Um, another where she's the partner of the Red Dragon, and still another where it Red looks Dagger? as though she and Brute Red Dagger. Yep. Yeah. Um, what did I say somewhere? Red, Red Dragon. Dragon. Red Dragon, no, Red Dagger. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Uh, another one where she and Bruno looks like they're getting married. So, uh, gazing at all these images, Bruno, uh, um, you know, he's excited to see this one where he gets married, but he's also a little put back because he sees that in this future, he's, he's in a wheelchair. Um, still through it all, his keen wit comes to an epiphany. The, the sort of mystery of Kamala's power is where, you know, how she's been able to change her size and shape without altering her density. You know, where is all this extra mass coming and going to? And Bruno posits that what's actually happening is that Kamala's powers are borrowing and depositing extra mass from her own timeline, from her own future selves. Which is weird. I mean, uh, yeah. It's weird, um, but it's also, it's also like a really, really nice explanation, in my opinion. Um, it's a cool idea. Yeah. It's very it's, comic booky. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's like, quite. Like, it's like she time travels but stays in the present it's yeah kind of 
and that and that kind of that's what kind of like makes me quite I don't know I'm quite into that do you know what I mean I really like the sci-fi notes it's of different. this different yeah um, it's almost like you know she she exists throughout all of you know I, I'm not going to go into it but yeah like she exists it's, throughout all the time and space well yeah pretty much well obviously yeah she doesn't but yeah well clearly Bruno's having similar thoughts because when when he realizes this he he comes to another realization that perhaps the one of the reasons why uh, Kamala's powers have been malfunctioning of late has nothing to do with what they've been up to. It has, has everything to do with something else, uh, namely uh, <clears throat> the shocker, because this, this whole problem started when he arrived in town. Um, <clears throat> now, meanwhile, at the shocker's ridiculous lair, Miss <laughs> Marvel is mystified by this vortex, and he explains that he actually created it. He created by accident while he was doing some experimental tinkering. Um, and he kept it around as a cool means to get rid of his enemies, you know, like a Bond villain. Um, so Miss Marvel's powers are still out of whack, and her arms are all elongated, and she's like, ah! And the Shocker takes advantage. She's around like Kathy from the Kathy cartoon. Ah! <laughs> anyway, so the Shocker <laughs> takes advantage of this, and he pushes her into the vortex, and she's sent spinning away off into the neither realm between realities, you know. Yet another shapeless void that that Marvel's stuck in. Um, there doesn't seem to be any escape. Fortunately, there's someone who's noticed her presence and comes to her aid. Yeah. And it turns out to yeah. be Singularity. Yeah. Oh, yay! Singularity! <laughs> oh, I love Singularity character. is this otherworldly hero who appeared in the pages of A-Force. Um, and uh, Miss Marvel doesn't know Singularity in this reality, but they were actually teammates in the alternate reality of Battle World and Secret Wars. Which, if you haven't read it, you should go and read it right now. Go and read it Absolutely. before we do the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, if you have not read... Um, Just the whole A-Force, of A-Force. <laughs> the whole of A-Force from when they were in Battle World to uh, Kelly Thompson's run. Wow, what a great series and also um singularity is a big point in that um something to bring in mind that um well we'll let doc go because it's kind of a spoiler but singularity knows kamala but kamala doesn't know her yep exactly and she also speaks in total riddles and it's very confusing for for uh and absolutely adorable um yes (laughs) She's, she's a cute character um they go on a little jaunt through time and space which i'll get to in a second but it ends up with her deposited Back in Jersey City, right by the Circle Q uh, convenience store. Something, something strange is afoot of the Circle Q. Um, elsewhere, Bruno has dashed out in search of Kamala. If the Shocker is indeed the source of her loss of powers, then he needs to warn her. And all the stress and exertion is sort of overtaxed the vibranium harness that allows him to walk. Um, and all this time, he's been conversing with this virtual assistant module from the old Xavier school that projects this uh, small hologram of Professor X. And, um, <laughs> I also the, like the, that. Yeah. The virtual assistant is based on the memory, knowledge, and experiences of Professor X, uh, someone who himself has had to cope with being uh, with, with life in a wheelchair. Um, and um, it's all a prospect that Bruno has had to consider. Uh, and he asks the holograph how he's learned to deal with it. And the holograph replies that, you know, one has to adjust to a new outlook on life, that full mobility is something that, you know, he took for granted, and it's forced him to reimagine what actually means, to, you know, to live a life well-lived. 
Uh, he re reprioritized things, making incremental progress towards attaining this new concept of a life well-lived until one day he realized he'd achieved that goal. <clears throat> now, it's not clear if all this resonates with Bruno, if the professor's words feel pat and uninspiring, or if it actually is quite inspiring and, and, and is helpful. But um, whatever the case, Bruno, you know, he's rested up and he's ready to go back to trying to find his friend, which he does right at the same time the Shocker does. And the Shocker is disappointed that Kamala made it back, but he's going to take care of her the old-fashioned way with his pulse-firing gauntlets, and he fires a pulse wave at her. And right at that time, Bruno's like, no, and jumps in front of the blast. And it's on this cliffhanger that the issue comes to an end with the promise of conclusion next time out. Mayhem. <laughs> yeah. Such a good issue, though. Such a good issue. Yes. Like, I, so I, much to unpack. I kind of feel like, you know, we kind of just sort of bullet point it, you know. Right. First of all, Bruno's conclusion that how Kamala's work is really cool. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I understand the theoretical physics behind the whole idea, but I guess the idea it's is comic that mass... Books. Yeah, it's comic books. Mass is a constant where time is in flux, and mass can be moved about from point A to point B uh, in this time frame. I mean, it's like you say, comic books. Um, and then the other idea is that her power malfunction has something to do with the Shocker and the Shocker's invention, which actually makes sense in some respects, that if he's fooling with the time stream, it'd be kind of like putting a magnet next to a compass, you know, it just causes everything to go screwy. Um, I don't know when the Shocker got to be so smart, because I always remember right. him as being kind of a goon. I mean, he's a uh, who's able to build his gauntlets, that's cool, but here he's building time vortexes. Whatever. <laughs> it's cool. Well, he's, he's invincible he's in New Jersey, character. so... Um, yeah. Yeah. He's allowed character development. Um, he he got know. a degree. Yes. And speaking of character development, I really like that they're finally, that they're, they're, they're focusing on, on Bruno and his past injuries and how this all might eventually lead to him being bound to a wheelchair and him having to deal with that, you know, because um, physical disability is such a difficult matter to understand. I mean, so many people out there have to contend with it, but if you don't, if you, if you haven't, then it's really almost impossible to fully empathize. You know, it's just yep. like, could you imagine? I mean, just, yeah. I mean, uh, like yeah. I think I've mentioned before, my, mo my mother is visually impaired and it's like, you know, I don't, truly have any idea what that's like and so when i'm going through town i'm saying i oh, need to go to the left go to the right or watch out for that person it's kind of like it's a bit more difficult for her to wait she drives a car no no i drive the car oh you're okay <laughs> okay sorry um oh when you guys are walking yeah yeah no no I'm sorry, it's just that image in my head. I mean, I know things in England are crazy, but I didn't know it was that crazy. Uh, not as crazy as the US. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so it, it, it's exactly that. And I, I think that what Miss Marvel's doing is kind of going back through almost like the, the history books of Marvel and just kind of like bringing back up those... You know, Miss Marvel, we've said, relates a lot to like the early issues of Spider-Man. Um, you know, and then you've got stuff like... Um, you know, almost like the, like well, Professor X said it himself. It's like he was the guy in the wheelchair that had a different perspective on the world, and he put together like a team of 
really impressive people. And it's kind of, I like how she's bringing that back together into this book. Yeah. Makes sense. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And then, the, all right. So then there's another really important part of the issue when, when Miss Marvel and Singularity take their little jaunt through um, the multiverse, they come to some mysterious place where Miss Marvel briefly meets this young man who seems to recognize her. We don't know who this guy is or what this place is, but Singularity, she rec- she, she, she whisks him away. She's like, no, no, you being here will mess with your time stream. So what is this guy? What is this place? And who is this guy? And what does it have right. to do with all the, the sort of clues that have been peppered about throughout the series that there's something particularly special about Miss Marvel and her time stream and her lineage and all these, you know, the things that, uh, that lineage was interested in and, and the, little stories that were told about her grandmother back in Pakistan. And right. um, I feel like there's a broader story going unfolding. on here. Yeah. And um, I'm really curious to find out what it's going to all lead to. They're definitely building towards it. So and I, 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 love, I love the fact that this book is, is literally at what issue 53 legacy numbering. Uh, I hope it goes on for another forty-seven. Oh, at least. it will. It will. It totally will. I yeah. I would be floored if it didn't. I mean, she's basically this generation's Peter Parker, and yeah, I know absolutely. a lot. Of, yeah, she'll be around for a while. Good long time. So the funny thing is, is actually I was talking to a friend of mine who is like a you know a, a pretty big Spider-Man fan, um, and he and I said to him, you know. He said, "Miss Marvel." His quote was, "Miss Marvel is the only good in human," so which obviously I was arguing about. <laughs> um, right. But he he basically said that the reason why he um, really enjoys Miss Marvel as a book is because it resonates because he's a really big Spider-Man fan, and I think that's a really nice, you know, a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, those old um, uh, Steve Ditko, Stanley, Spider-Man stories i mean they're so they're just so timeless and classic and um i mean some of the lingo they use is is aged and whatnot but uh but it's you know anyone who's going through adolescence can relate on one level or another um and uh yeah i i I, this this series has not let me down on any of the arcs so far um you know even taking a i have no interest in the shocker I don't care about this guy, but they make him into they this really him a fun really character. Good, yeah, they did. That's <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, and I, I think that goes down to I think we've said it many, many times before that Marvel have a genuinely really awesome lineup of writers at the moment. Um, with G. Willow Wilson being, you know, quite prominent, uh, she's going on to Wonder Woman in November, which is going to be pretty good. Um, yes. Might be the the first proper DC title I pick up. Um, oh, well, you should check out Mr. Miracle. It is bonkers good. Yeah, I think you've, you've suggested that to me as well, which uh, which I might go Who and do. Who writes Mr. Miracle again? Tom King. Ah. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you that Marvel does have a great stable of writers going on, although I'm really quite miffed today because I learned that they decided not to move forward on the... Um... Oh, Chelsea Kane's vision? Oh, yeah. I'm yes. so pissed off about that. Like, she was four books in, you guys. Four books. It's, it's like a, insane. It's so They're stupid. Like, oh, the characters uh, 
story changed or whatever. What the fuck ever? Print it anyway. You've got four books in. What the hell? Yeah, it's all I, money at the I end of the know. day. <laughs> yeah, oh, Marvel are a business. It's like they've done nothing but kind of shit on her. Yeah, they That's... have. She got she got nominated for a freaking Eisner for Mockingbird, and they didn't even tell her, and they didn't give her any of the information about it for her to go until like the very it's, last yeah. minute. And I'm like, I was why? Say, to be to be fair, that seems like Marvel policy in general because I don't think okay. um, I don't I don't think that Saladin Ahmed or Christian Ward were at the awards thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. But at least they knew they were uh, <laughs> nominated, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's she's been very, um, what's the what's the way of putting it? She's been quite vocal? outspoken. Yeah, vocal towards uh, towards Marvel this week, which is completely understandable, and I completely get it. Um, yeah, I would absolutely be livid. And, and, she's, and, and she she actually put it she put it incredibly tactfully. She said, you know, none of this is about. Uh, I think Will Moss is the editor that she was she had. Yeah. Um, she was like, uh, Will Moss was nothing but helpful. He was, you know, an amazing editor and that sort of stuff. He said, yeah, and I think I think Will Moss is disappointed too. From oh yeah, no doubt. And it, it's just kind of like, I I I personally think it's probably somewhere near the top. Yeah. So, Death of the Inhumans number three. Oh man, this issue—it is <laughs> something else. No, I mean, yeah. yeah come on, uh, come on, Donny Cates. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. So we're continuing to be strung through the ringer on this one. The Kree army have declared war on the Inhumans, launching a bloody attack that decimated the lunar city of New Arctillon. Uh, seeking revenge, Black Bolt traveled to Hala to retaliate and unleashed his destructive voice and obliterated his enemies, yet he underestimated the Kree warchief, this mysterious being known as Vox, and he all but paid for it with his life. He got his throat slit. Um, now with Black Bolt defeated and in the clutches of the Kree, Medusa and what remains of the, of the royal family must devise a new strategy to rescue their king and bring forth vengeance for their people. Um... It's the middle installment. We go. <laughs> it's a really dark ride. It's by yeah. uh, Donny Cates, along with illustrator Ariel Olivetti, and colorist extraordinaire Jordi Belair. Um, or is it Belair? I don't uh, know. It looks like Belair. Yep, yep Jordi Belair. So the tale starts off with Karnak recuperating from his journey back from Hala. Uh, he refused to uh, make the journey in a straight line, but instead circled back to destroy whatever Kree ships were pursuing him. Because Karnak... <laughs> Because he's Karnak, uh, and he's informed Medusa that uh, that what's happened, um, and it's interesting because um, Crystal's like, "Yo, we need to go get the Avengers and Thor and all these Jokers to help us." And Medusa's right. kind of like, "No, we don't want that assistance. We want we don't want the moral and righteous heroes of Earth. We want something. You know, we don't want these Kree captured and brought to justice. We want them dead." Um, and, and I love she, that. And I, I, and I, that, I'm just gonna say, like that that one panel was just like that sums up what I like about the Inhumans so much. It's like yes. um, you know, Black Bolt's a really uh, like he's a planner. He plans so far ahead, and Medusa's just like you know, she's taken on what Black Bolt is all about. Oh, I love it. So she has a new, a different. But that just shows the difference between Crystal and Medusa as well as sisters. Yeah. That Crystal definitely has a bit more of a. Well, we'll get into it later because my heart broke at that last bit. But anyway, go ahead. Medusa actually has a a different um, 
source of support in mind, and they set off to go find that. Now, meanwhile, back on Hala, uh, uh, Black Bolt is being subjected to this gruesome surgery uh, where it looks as though they are performing a larynectomy, where they're taking out his larynx and, and sewing the shut, the wound shut, and Vox and the still-to-be-named General, I don't know, we'll just call him the General, are watching on, and... Um, you know, Vox declares that the threat posed by Black Bolt is eliminated. The uh, much-feared prophecy of the Midnight King who would bring about the fall to the Kree Empire has been stamped out. Um, the surgery is being all but performed without any kind of anesthetic or painkiller. And um, and with all this pain, Black Bolt doesn't even make a noise. Um, and it looks like his, his voice has been completely um, taken away. Or has it? <laughs> because later... Black Bolt is remanded to a cell, and there's a, he's guarded by a pair of Kree soldiers, and he, he sits there stoically for a time um, before attempting to speak, and the, the, the soldiers are kind of goading him, and then he starts mumbling something. Um, and at first the soldiers are laughing and whatnot, but then as Black Bolt continues to kind of mumble, um, one of the soldiers gets like a bloody nose, and his head starts hurting, and... and um, then Black Bolt starts reciting names, you know, Naja, Starlion, Flagmon, Glassgirl, New Octillon, and it causes these two soldiers to have like what appears to be cerebral hematomas. Their heads just sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice sound so, effects, Doc. Nice yeah. sound effects. <laughs> so while while he because he can't create like major giant sonic booms with the voice, it looks like he can create kind of a. Uh, a precision uh, minor one that if uh, located in the right place causes quite a lot of damage. Um, so he frees himself and he wanders through the halls of this darkened prison and he comes across um, another kind of cruel operating theater where he finds his old adversary and sometimes ally, uh, Ronan the Accuser, and all kinds of tubes and bizarre devices have been fastened to him. His Looks like one of his arms is gone and has been replaced with a robotic prosthetic. And um, he explains that uh, this fanatical division of the Kree had come to the ruins of Hala and defeated him. Uh, the armies, this army's children and their families, wait for them. Wait until all can be put in position uh, and all opposition can be crushed. And and he's being he's being in the process of being changed. This is what this this new Kree Empire does. They kill the weak, they enslave the strong, and they break the unwilling. Um, and Ronan's like, I'm being made into one of their weapons. Please end me. You know, put me out of my misery. And we see, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, Black Bolt say something to him, um, and it's kind of it kind of looks like he's actually doing that. He's sort of euthanizing. Uh, Ronan, but I kind of think that's not what's going to happen. But we'll figure it out later on. Um, for the time being, it looks like it kills him. Um, meanwhile, Medusa and the Royals have traveled to this unknown space planet somewhere off in the somewhere. And um, it turns out that the person that they were looking for is actually the uh, the Corbinite warrior known as Beta Ray Bill. Um, <laughs> Dad bought Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, so I was just going to say that. Who posted that on Twitter? I can't remember. It's just so funny. It was just like, (laughs) oh, dear. Yeah, that was good. What's this? Somebody posted on Twitter. (laughs) They they showed that panel 
And they said something on the lines of, I'm so here for Dad Bod Beta Ray Bill. Dad Bod? Dad Body. Oh, is he kind of, he's, he's not as, as uh, taut as he once was? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, Dad Bod. Uh, well, anyways, he's, he's a tough customer because he has the uh, Asgardian hammer of Stormbreaker. And um, at first, you know, they tell him, hey, look, all this shit happened to us. Please help us. And he's like, I don't, I'm not interested in any of that until Medusa mentions that Lockjaw had been among the casualties. And this stops him cold. He's like, what now? Something happened to Lockjaw? All right, I'll fight for you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I guess Beta Ray Bill, Dad Bod, Beta Ray Bill, and Lockjaw had had many in an adventure together. and And like everyone on the goddamn planet loves Lockjaw and is like, no, I'll, 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 I'll destroy the Kree for hurting him. Right. So I'm just there saying, we are. Everybody loves Lockjaw for because he's because he's a good dog. A good he dog. is a good right. dog. Um, a very good dog. So how many how many issues are left of this? What two? two? Two issues left. So I think we can safely say at this point in time that it's a reset button on the Inhumans. Um, what as opposed to a being taken behind the woodshed and put out of its misery? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> Yeah, don't please never put it like that again. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I can I can see it being um, just just a reset button. Um, well, there's some interesting hints to the solicitation for issue five that kind of suggests that the series will end with um, you know they're no longer being you know the Inhumans as this big race, but only a few left and. And what will what will Black Bolt do next now that he's no longer king? Uh, which suggests maybe um, there'll be another Black Bolt series, or perhaps they'll be involved in the Guardians of the Galaxy reboot. Or Fantastic um, Four. Certainly well, show yeah, up in Fantastic I mean, Four. As we'll come to in a minute, I mean, Medusa turned up in Fantastic Four, so... So there's Crystal yeah, in exactly. the very back, yeah, which so... annoyed me because Crystal is the longest-running member of the Fantastic Four outside of the family, isn't she? No, actually, uh, um, well, She-Hulk has them all beat. Uh, Medusa, okay. a few issues more than Crystal. But Crystal was a member of that team during uh, the Lee Kirby era, which is, you know, the, the most vibrant in memory. Um, Got it. But yeah, I, I think I think Death of the Inhumans is going to be... Yeah, I... I... I can see it t- obviously taking them off in a different um, sort of direction, but I think it's basically going to get rid of everything that happened in the Soul Run, in um, the one that came Royals. after that, Royals, um, you know, which is sad because they are really, really good stories, and I really enjoyed Inhuman, and I I really enjoyed uh, Uncanny, All New, Royals, Secret Royals, obviously, because we're Inhumans fans, but um, it, it's kind of... Yeah, kind of sucky that it is going to be a, a bit of a, a reboot. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm all, I'm not completely against change. I think that it's these these stories, you know, they can't remain static. Um, and they shouldn't remain static. They shouldn't remain. And if you look back on like, you know, I mean, I've probably read every Inhuman story out there. They're they're you know their status quo changes more than your average uh, comic book team. I think probably as a product of them not being as popular as, say, the Avengers or the X-Men. You know, the Avengers and the X-Men, they'll have adventures, they'll have changes, and then every ten to five years, they revert back to the status quo. Right. Um, 
Whereas in humans, they kind of go all over the place. You look at, at um, you know, Silent War to War of Kings to well, yeah, I mean, in humanity, humanity, it's this yeah. constant flux of, 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 of new stuff going down. And um, and that's the thing. And how, how long have we actually had of this run? I mean, it's got to be, what, Infinity was 2013, wasn't it? So right. we've had half a decade of really good Inhuman stories. Yeah. Um, so I, you can't complain of that. No. And and you know it's yeah we lost uh, Naja and, and Flagman. I mean I like Naja quite a bit, but I'm okay with Flagman and Starlion dying. I didn't really know them. Um, the the characters from from the Inhumanity launch or re- you know initiative that um, are worthwhile. They're still kind of sticking around. We got. You know, reader, all the, uh, reader, Frank. And, and and Frank both show up in Daredevil this week, and then and he was in uh, Weapon Lost as well, the Hunt for Wolverine book, right? Yes. And so, and that was that was such a good book as well. Yeah. And then then you know Moon Girl, Miss Marvel, and the Secret Warriors are all kicking around there somewhere too. So, um, you know, the 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 sort of new mutants of the Inhumans are still out there. Yeah, but then I, I the the royal family might be getting a bit more of a, a change. Now, I just need Maximus and Lockjaw back, and then I'll be fine. Right. I mean, uh, Triton, I like to, but but um, well, the humans like without Lockjaw take, just doesn't make yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Who yeah. kills the dog off permanently? Come on, Donny Cage does. Well, Donny Case has watched too much old Yeller. He's, he got rid of Bats. He got rid came of Bats. back. Yeah, but Bats a ghost. was a ghost. The next, yeah, but that's like that's like Yoda came back in the Star Wars. He he didn't. He was a ghost. What are you talking about? Yoda totally came back. He, how was he any different? He was a ghost, but he still said the same shit that he always has. <laughs> <laughs> no other different. Yeah. Well, at least at least it was. Um, he had a better fate than uh, than Anakin, I suppose. So. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think the door is open for, for those characters to come back. And I mean, maybe I will, this will be a kind of series that is fun to read the second time around. Cause you know, with every page I turn, I'm like, please don't kill another one of my favorite <laughs> characters. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think the anticipation in this one is outweighing the, uh, the actual reading of it. So, well, for us, but maybe for the average, you know, not so invested comic goer, they're like, "Yeah, this is cool," because um, I think it's been selling pretty good. Yeah, well, I, I imagine that's all the um, the X Men readers gloating. No, <laughs> I think that 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 Cates has developed a pretty big following. Yeah, people no, no, are that's, that's what he does. Yeah. You know, and and you know, I, I jest about the X Men stuff because because. Uh, go and go look actually looking at it now i have got basically i think my pool list is about 25 titles all in all and i think at least 75 percent of them are x-men <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well the the uh i mean they're going through their own culling of a sort yep. i think it looks like the o5 will probably be gone pretty soon and i guess cable died that's weird um well kind of have you, have you oh. read the book? I did, and he he died, but then his younger self killed him. Who knows? But, yeah. you know. I'll leave the X-Men to you, boys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the X-Men all the I, all I can tell really you is, is that is X-Men Red is still firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's definitely I, recommended. X-Men Red is, is the... Who's writing that? Tom uh, Taylor. 
Tom Taylor. Oh, yeah. well, Tom Taylor's really good. Uh, but X Men Blue is also really, really good. Um, yeah. That's almost over, huh? It is, yeah. Same with X-Men Gold, actually, because I think that's being cancelled in November because it's all rolling into Uncanny, Uncanny. X-Men. Uh, yeah, so, which with is With Kelly good. Thompson and... and um, Matt Rosenberg. Matt Rosenberg. Ed who Ed actually had a really funny exchange recently on Twitter about that. They were talking about... Matt... Oh, Matt wanted the... Oh, Tom Taylor said something along the lines of, Matt, don't you hurt Gabby. Matt responded with something, and then Kelly Thompson goes, she goes, she says something along the lines of, if you hurt Gabby, I'm not holding back, or something along, it was really funny, like, so. I, I think, I think Matt Rosenberg is, um, basically, he's, he's, he's basically, well, no, but he's, he's basically <laughs> writing his dream book. I mean, yes. he, he was on New Mutants, and he was writing Magic, I think Magic is one of his favourite characters, don't quote me on that, but I think, I think that's, yeah. It's a fair guess. Yeah, and then, yeah, I think X-Men is probably his dream, because <laughs> at least he seems to make it out to be anyway, um, at least on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, disappointed about the Inhumans with definitely Inhumans and only having one main title, but obviously Miss Marvel and Moon Girl are going on as well. Um, but yeah. And, um, well, it's, uh, well, not a lot to complain about because we also have the return of one of my all-time favorites in the form of Fantastic Four. Yes. Which, second issue. I really week. enjoyed this issue. I, I And I love the way that they did uh, between episode, uh, issue one and issue two. Um, yeah. But you kind of got two issue ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it like, you know, they, they probably could have released issue one as issue zero and then issue one as actual issue one. Um, but, uh, ah, so good. Do you want to run through it, Doc? Oh, boy. Uh you know, right from the start, the Fantastic Four has always been uh, a story about family, you know. And over the years, this uh, family has grown quite a bit. You know, it began with just Reed, Sue, Ben, and Johnny, and gradually, gradually expanded to include the kids, Franklin and Valeria. Um, then with the creation of the Future Foundation, a whole bunch of youngsters entered into the family. You got the two young mutants, Artie and Leech, uh, the super-intelligent Moloids, um, Tong, Mick, Kor, and Turg are awesome uh former power pack member alex powers the young clone of the wizard named bentley 23 a whiz kid from wakanda named unami and a pair of fishlings named v and we along with the kids android guardian dragon man quite a household so last scene was at the end of secret wars um the family had decided that instead of going back uh, home, they were going to assist the now omnipowerful Molecule Man to uh, recreate the multiverse and put it all back together. Uh, ben and Johnny returned to the 616 universe, but the others remained behind. Uh, Franklin and the Molecule Man were creating all these new worlds, and the allure of discovery and adventure was just too much for Reed and the others to pass up on. So they ventured off to explore these new realms as they were being created. And it seems like they were just having a blast. Yeah, they were. Seems like a lot of time passed because uh, what has only been a year or so for Ben and Johnny um, seems to have been several years for the rest of the family. The kids all now look older. Uh, Valeria, Val- Valeria was barely more than a toddler when we last saw her. Now she seems to be about 12 or so. No, and- she was like 9 or 10, I thought, in Secret Wars. 
And then well, yeah, Franklin had, was the one who looked young. I think you had something like the eight months that had passed in um, Secret Wars, and then obviously whatever time has passed since then. Well, whatever. She's a, she's a young lady now. Um, it's quite jarring, and uh, you know uh, Franklin, who has been like nine forever, <laughs> he is now kind of like this gangly teenager. Um, and the story starts off on this on this wild planet. Um, that that Johnny that uh, Franklin and, and Owen Reese, the Molecule Man, have created, and they they're talking with this guy, this young dashing prince named Arboro, <laughs> who looks a lot like Prince Namor, and he's got a real <laughs> crush on Valeria, and <laughs> and uh, Reed's like, oh wait a second, no, we're getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Sue's inner monologue for that. Yeah. That was yeah. great. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit where it's like, and we'll be going now. I, I literally yeah. read it like that. It He's was like, just, oh, you know. there it is. He figured it out. <laughs> Give him a minute. <laughs> so they create some more universes. Um, every week they get a different sort of theme going. The the fish kids love wa- water worlds, and the Moloids love worlds with lots of caves and this and that. And it's really kind of like the happily ever after that uh, Sue and, and Reed have always longed for. Um, although Val and Franklin at their quieter moments kind of miss being home. They miss their uncles. Um, Valerie really would like to be able to use her phone and chat with this Prince guy again. (laughs) Um, then the next day Franklin is preparing to create yet another universe. And it seems that his powers have kind of dissipated. Uh, Reed and Owen were kind of expecting this. I guess energy is finite, and it was only a matter of time before Franklin's capacity to generate matter on a scale to create worlds has uh, finally run out and exhausted itself. And there's this sinister presence that's been watching it all from afar, waiting for the exact moment, and now witnessing that this godchild has finally sent it, uh, spent his power. She knows it's time to strike. And her name is the Griever, and she proclaims to be herself to be the embodiment of entropy, and the inevitability of uh, the death of all things. You know, that's quite an entrance line. Um, she, she breaks in when she's got these monsters on her sides, and she's like, you know, it's her destiny to bear witness to the ultimate heat death of the universe, and all the things that, that Reed and the others have been doing have, have defiled that, and she wants to put it right. And, um, you know, and, and her first move was a total, like, you know, wharf move. She kills... The molecule man just zaps him into energy, and her little monsters suck it up. And so, like, <laughs> damn! Um, so everyone's like freaking out, and they're like, "No, we got to run away!" Um, and they run. They get off in their little jump craft and shoot off into the multiverse. And the griever um, pursues them, and, and while she does, she destroys all the worlds that they had created. And it's just a total mayhem and carnage. And um, Bentley and Alex Powers, they devise a plan. They, they want to create a beachhead to take on this monster um, at an area that's closest to the 616 sort of uh, membrane or whatever. Um, and Reed is like, he comprehends it. Like, this is a really tough arithmetic. He has to, you know, will he sacrifice hundreds of worlds in an effort to save thousands? He figures, well, I guess that's what we have to do. But Valeria isn't having it because fleeing in this manner would put at risk that planet where it all began and her friend Orboro 
is there and she's like no we're not we're not leaving him behind so she takes controls of the spaceship and she uh <laughs> crash lands it on this planet and um she finds her you know boyfriend and he's like hey what's going on and um just then the griever is upon them and um and uh you know um franklin he's lost his godlike powers but he's still like wicked powerful um, and he goes up against her, and she just just knocks him down, um, puts him in a big crater, and he crawls out, and he sees that everyone's been defeated. And she and the, the griever is like, "Oh my God, this was the Fantastic Four! I beat you so so easily." And Reed said, "No, no, no! You just bro- you just beat the Future Foundation. The real Fantastic Four is not here. You know that you could never beat us." And and she takes the bait. She's like, "Oh yeah, fine." And she brings down this machine that can transport anyone from anywhere. And he's like, bring me the Fantastic Four. I'll take out the real Fantastic Four. And he and Sue, they know it's a trap, but they're going to play around with it. They mess with this transmaterializer. And that's what creates the big four that shows up on the night sky in the first issue. But it's not a signal or a beacon or anything. It's actually a a teleportation ray. And it teleports um, Johnny and Ben right from the rooftop, <laughs> leaving poor Alicia behind, um, to this planet. And they're like, hey, what's going on? They're like, no, we got to take on this person. And But it turns out that Reed has pulled a fast one because he hasn't just brought Reed and uh, Ben and Johnny, but he's actually brought everyone who's ever been a member of the Fantastic Four. We get this great splash page, which has yes. everyone who's ever donned in a four on their suit, from Spider-Man to... To She-Hulk, to for some reason Iceman, he was never one, but he's there. Uh, Crystal, Medusa, uh, the whole Black Panther, Luke Cage, Black Panther, Luke Cage, Storm, <laughs> Ghost Rider, <laughs> Ghost Rider. I know the Hulk. Hulk isn't in the splash page, but he's going to be there because he's he's been a member. So, so where was Ghost um, Ghost Rider? Remember, because I remember remember um, uh, the Age of Ultron. What if? Where no, it's like a team it's, it's, of really random characters. It was during I think Walt Simonson's run on the team. There were there was a time when the FF were missing and uh, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, Grey Hulk, and I think Spider Man. Yeah, that's, um, that's, all created a, a sort of an airsat fantastic board to save them or something to that effect. But so they were all um, honorary members of some sort. Missing is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, but I guess that's just because Reed doesn't know about them yet. Um, I was kind of hoping they'd be there too, but um, it's uh, it's going to be a big fight. Now I don't know if I mean these guys. This is a pretty impressive team that uh, that Reed's put together. Um, but are they going to fare any better against the Griever than the Molecule Man did? Because he was tough as heck. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, we got a big fight. But I don't us. think I don't think that's the last of the Molecule Man we're going to see. I oh, I don't no. think he's no way. Right. I it's, have been uh, seeing his solo, but yeah, no. Can I can I just say that that last page is probably yes. my favorite page out of any comic book recently. Um, <clears throat> even even beating out <clears throat> uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, where he's got Baby Thanos strapped to his chest. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, it was just like it was just that I don't know why I, I this is the first Fantastic Four book I've properly read and I don't know why but it just made me really happy. Mm. It was like 
Yeah, I can see this being a favorite book of mine. Yeah, so very exciting second issue, and very exciting. I'm looking forward to issue three. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, uh, this Griever character is way tough. I mean, right up there with uh, Galactus-level threat. Um, And uh, we'll see how they pull their bacon out of the fire. Because oh, it's going to be great. Whatever well, we know, be, they're going to because we've seen some preview art for subsequent issues. One of which is the marriage of the Thing and Alicia. Um, yeah. and it's a really cool cover of them. You know, their nuptials, and the well, Thing has a cute little kippa on, and it's really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, so. I think um, I think Dan Slot at Marvel is going to become <clears throat> sort of like the new Bendis. Um, because I mean, he's he's writing this, he's writing Tony Stark, he, and he writes really well, and he writes really nicely. Um, yeah, long long may he be at Marvel. Because well, he will be. He's written Spider Man for like a bazillion, not a bazillion years, but you know what I mean, a long well, time. Ten years, basically, wasn't it? Ten years, yeah. So I I think I think Dan Slott's gonna be around for a while. Yeah. And, I, and his Silver I... Surfer one was run was really great. Yeah, there are some fans out there who hate this guy. Um, yeah, I guess it's something to do with something in Spider-Man or whatnot, but like the just like Bendis, I suppose the truth is also the same as there are. You think it's true for any of the great. writers, honestly? Um, Not that it's it's acceptable to be mean to people. You shouldn't, but if you don't like their writing and don't like their writing, that's fine. But yeah, just don't. Well, it's not an issue of liking or liking it. It's it's not like the decisions they make. You know, it's like. People gave uh, Nick Spencer like the total business for the decisions he made in Captain America, which <laughs> I can understand because that was a pretty rough run. But um, see, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I think yeah, Nick Nick Spencer is much more polarizing. <laughs> well, I don't know because um, you know he started off on Amazing Spider-Man, and people are digging it. Uh, the first three, four or yeah. five issues have completely sold out, gone to second printing. Um, and I think um, FF has been doing well as, as also. Um, I'll be interested, you know, I'm interested to see how the book holds up because um, it's it's hard to do a book like Fantastic Four, um, which in so many ways is like as classic as it can get. And, um, you know, remaining innovative while s- sustaining the same important themes is, is a really tall order. Yeah, and um, uh, I think, but I think that's what I mean. I think Dan Slott is the perfect man for that because he, yes, he essentially took Spider Man from uh, what has got to be one of its worst storylines ever, um, <laughs> and and he he basically took it from that and you know built built it right back up again. Um, and he's a super nice guy as well. I, I you know oh, good. I, I met him at LFCC and he was yeah he's he's genuinely the not the nicest guy. Um, I think I mentioned it before that I, I had a, a Tony Stark Iron Man book, and I just went up to him and I said, I, "I said I feel really out of place because I'm about the only one in this line that's got an Iron Man um, book." And uh, yeah, he, he laughed at that and he said, "Well, it was like 180 issues or something." So, <laughs> are you are you enjoying his run on? I know you're a big Iron Man fan. Are you liking it so far? Uh, I have to admit, I have I still haven't read past issue one. Um, however. Yeah. Something I did enjoy, uh, which is kind of related. Basically, he uh, he put War Machine into his own like big mecha thing, yeah, um, and that ended up turning up in Punisher. 
yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah. And if you're not reading Punisher, I, I recommend that as well. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> it's good. It's really good. It's Matt Rosenberg. Yeah. It's yeah. It's all good. I don't. Go ahead. <laughs> More <laughs> for you. <laughs> okay, uh, Sarah, and you should you should read Punisher. Why? Because uh, it's good. It's okay. Good. And Cosmic I... Ghost Rider. Okay. <laughs> I have a budget, and unfortunately, those are not in my budget. And Punisher is a little a little violent for me. I can only handle so much. But but I'm a wimp. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's understandable. I, I get that. I think. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, remember, guys. There's a competition going. Right. This is not really a competition, more oh, of a there's drawing. A, there's a giveaway where you can um, win a book. So. Make sure you email us at the show at adelanderising dot com, or tweet us on Twitter at adelanderising one. That's the number one. And. We would love to hear from you. Yep, um, we we did have an email last time. Uh, I don't know if we want to run for it really quickly. Uh, it was Go basically it. it was basically commenting on the writing of Death of the Inhumans, and um, I have to admit I've completely forgotten the name of this guy. Uh, let me just grab Twitter because I get it. But essentially, the gist of the the gist of the conversation was that he was a little bit unhappy in the writing of it, and he kind of agreed with you, Doc, on uh, the last episode. Um, where you said the Creed just seemed kind of, um, what's the word, uh, toothless? Yeah. And um, he, he, yeah, he essentially said something similar to that. Um, and yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting take on it. And he said that you know Donny Cates is a great writer, but he felt that Death the Inhumans one and two have just been not as good as they could be. Um, Oh, I do know one. that's been a concern because they seem to be putting Donny Cates on all the books right now. Like he's got to be writing like four or five. Um, so, I can see that being a concern, but I think um, issue number three uh, kind of, I think redeem things that, for you. Yeah, I think it was so good, you guys. So, <laughs> so he's uh, on Twitter. He's at M Colford. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for your both email and Twitter uh, comment. But essentially, yeah, the comment was Kate. Kate's wavers between good writing and sloppy shock writing. What did you? What do you think? Atalan Rising one. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree to an extent. Um, I, I actually, I, we, we did have a good conversation about this, and it was essentially, I felt that it's a comic book. You're gonna get, um, you're gonna get that shock horror, you know, almost pantomime sort of thing. So I was kind of on the side of. I was quite enjoying it. Right. Um, well, it's, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to parse apart your feelings on these things, you know, like on on the one hand, yeah, as a comic, it's fun, whatever. But on the other hand, you know, a lot of these are characters who, um, despite being fictional, have come to mean a lot to me. So to yeah. see them kind of like die in kind of an offhand, you know, sort of like boom, dead um, way, it was, was, was very disheartening and not a lot of fun and i felt like um some of the deaths i mean especially lockjaw that that like, seemed to have a uh, a shock value like hey look you know everything's on the table if we kill the dog it's like oh jesus i don't kill the dog i yeah. just don't think the dog's really dead i'm hoping not anyway it's just such, uh, it was, yeah, I, 
Now, if it ends and Lockjaw's really gone, then I'm going to be pissed. But right now, I'm... I'm holding out hope. Yeah, I think think the comment about, particularly about um, Death in Humans 3, um, you know, I, I felt like the story in that was very short. I don't feel like there was much of a story in there. And that's, that's you know just me trying to be as honest as possible. I, I felt like the, the the actual panels themselves were really good. They're really detailed. I love the artwork, but the actual story in it was quite um, you know, thin. Thin, yeah. Put it like that. Um, well, it was more of an ambiotic tale than anything else. It was all about you know. I mean, they've been putting Black Bolt through the paces mean, for so long. Yeah. Um, like. Basically, this is as low as it goes. Can you not hear me anymore? I can hear you. Okay. Uh, but anyways, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's hard to look at it objectively. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I I think there's some some absolute merit in that in in that um, in what he was saying, and I I think I I agree to an extent, but I think I, I'd be much happier sitting on the fence and reading the whole story. Um, <laughs> which you know, I think that kind of sums me up. Sit on the fence and uh, get the entire picture. But um, well, I'm is... hoping that the next issue will we'll finally get to see uh, Crystal and Karnak get get involved in this, you know in some fight. God, please, I need to see Crystal kick some ass. <laughs> please. Although I was happy that you know she did like take her. I don't know. I'm glad she's gotten some lines, but. I really yeah. want to see Crystal kick some ass because I, I don't know. I have my, she's my favorite. And she well, doesn't get as well. She she's got a moral compass much more she, than what the rest of the Inhumans have well, got. Going going back to that line where she said to get the Avengers and stuff that I think really highlighted the difference between Crystal and Medusa. Yeah, well, Crystal Crystal is a hero. That's that's the thing. I I, I think Crystal wants to be that. You know really popular hero whereas i think the the rest of the inhumans are you know as as we say all the time that they they live in the shadows they're not exactly the most um crystal has been between the fantastic four and being on the avengers yeah, yeah i think she's that. spent the most time in the human world and as such possesses more human style morals yeah i mean i'm not one i don't you know in reality i don't go for moral relativism but i think it's a fun thing to explore in, in, in fiction and you know the 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 morality of the inhumans of old adelan is just different yep. than that of the humans and they're like you know eye for an eye yeah that sounds just yeah, um, right. and it's it's very almost um you know like like victorian values it's it's not it, it they, they they kind of belong to a different time so right it's difficult yeah but I think Crystal is is very much based in the current reality, or at least the most up to date reality. Absolutely. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you thanks for, listening for commenting. To issue fifty and commenting. We would love to hear from you, so please keep the tweets and the uh, and the emails coming. We love hearing from you, and we will try to get back to you. Um, if you want that issue of. Uh, Fantastic Three, Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur Fantastic Three, um, tweeting us and emailing us is a way to get your name into the hat, and yep. we will announce it on our next show. Um, we'll also send the winner um, 
either a direct message on Twitter or if you email us, we'll email you back letting you know you're the winner and we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.